Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org slash give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Church family, come on, continue that praise to our God. You know, I, what, what a beautiful lyric to that song. We sing to our King and throne in heaven. That's the God we worship. We have a King who sits on a throne. Amen, church family? Amen. Can we give another shout of praise to our great King? Amen. Hey, it is great to have you here. Welcome, church family. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at CF. And listen, if you're here for the first time, uh, whether it's online or maybe in one of our campuses, listen, we are just so honored and happy that you're here with us. Uh, we hope that you are feeling loved and welcome so far. And it's a really special time for our church because we are in the middle of a series called Before the Throne. And, uh, you know, there's so many people around the world that pray. But so few really understand the theology behind prayer. Like, what really makes our prayers effective? And so in this series, we've been looking at the ins and outs of prayer. And have you uh, all enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's been a, a really great time so far learning about prayer and how to speak to our Heavenly Father. And today, we're going to be tackling the topic that oftentimes is not taught in church, but it's so important part of our, of our Christian life, and that is a topic of prayer and fasting. Oh, yeah. Prayer and fasting. And so, man, I think it's going to be really uh, encouraging for us. I'm looking forward to diving into God's Word, and I hope you are as well. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, and you can follow along with me as I read. Okay? Listen to what God's Word says. Then the disciples of John came to him, came to Jesus, saying, why do we and the Pharisees, the religious rulers, why do we and the Pharisees, why do we fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as a bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will what, church family? Fast. Fast. That's right, fast. In other words, fasting is going to be something that his people do while the Lord is away, especially in those moments where we feel weak and we need strengthening. Fasting has a way of strengthening, almost turbocharging our spiritual life. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, some of you know that I am a big Honda fan. Yeah, the car company Honda. In fact, all my cars, all my three cars have been Hondas. And my first car was a 1993 teal 
Honda Civic DX, the base model, oh yeah, that my stepfather so graciously gave me just like that. He graciously gave me that as my first car. And I got to tell you, I love that car to the point that I began to fix it up. Yeah, I put some rims on that car. I lowered that car, put some ex an exhaust, all that stuff. And I even joined a car club called Envious Creations, which, by the way, the president of that car club actually attends our Christ Fellowship campus. Shout out Frank Lanza. You know who you are all the way there, Wes Kendall. But follow me here. Because even though I loved my car to the point that I fixed it up, there was one thing that really, really bothered me about my car. And that is that it was as slow as molasses. I kid you not. And here's why. It's because it had a tiny, tiny 1.5 liter engine. Yeah, that churned out a whopping 102 horsepower. And so, folks, as a result, I had the slowest car in my high school. Yeah, in fact, all my friends used to make fun of me because whenever I would step on that car, listen, the engine would laugh at me. Hey, I, this, this, this car was going nowhere. Now, I'm sure that my, mo my mom loved the fact I had the slowest car in school, but I sure didn't. But anyway, fast forward now to uh, my recent car. Uh, when I bought uh, my new car in, in, 19, in, uh, in 2018, about three or four years ago, and so, again, I went to a Honda dealership to buy my car. I had a Honda Accord for like six, 16, 17 years. It was time to get rid of that thing. Let me go get myself a new car. So anyway, I'm walking around. I want to buy another Accord. And the, the, the car salesman uh, shows me the car that I was looking for, the color I wanted, four-door, perfect. And he said, the engine is a 1.5-liter engine. <laughs> and I said, uh-uh. Uh-uh, give me another car. There's no way I am buying a new car with a 1.5 liter engine. I was traumatized in high school. I'm not doing over, that over again. But he said, listen, don't worry about it. Because this car, even though it has a 1.5 liter engine, it has a turbo on it. Oh yeah, a turbo. Now, if you're not familiar with what a turbo is, it's a small turbine that's attached to an engine that when the engine begins to feel a little sluggish, it turns on and infuses compressed air back into the engine and gives it more power. So, so even though the engine of, this, of my newest car, the Accord, was the same size, it had nearly twice the amount of horsepower. And so, folks, do not miss this because the turbo is a very critical aspect of that engine. Because whenever the turbo feels that it's, going to, it's becoming a little sluggish, like the engine needs a little more power, it activates. And at that moment, the turbo infuses power, strength, and, and vitality to that engine to perform the way that it needs to perform. And church, let me just bring all of that over to our time together. Because what an image of what fasting does to our prayer life. And, and, and by that I mean that just like a turbo, right, has a way of infusing power and strength back into an engine that needs that power just like that. And here's the big idea as we dive into God's word today. 
Fasting has a way of infusing power and strength to a weak prayer life. And who knows, maybe you're here today at one of our campuses, maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, Omar, listen, I, I know that my prayer life is not where it should be. Man, I feel it's sluggish. I don't pray as much as I should. I just feel like it's not where it needs to be. And so I really want to see my prayer life strengthened. I want that oomph to my prayer life. But Omar, how can fasting, not eating food, how can that ever change and impact my prayer life? How can that be? How does that work? We're going to find out today from Matthew uh, chapter 9, all right? So if you have your um, uh, apps, go ahead and pull those apps up. Uh, let's load on our Christ Fellowship apps. You can take out the listening guides, our paper handouts that you can pick up on the way in. You can pick, take, take that out and get ready to take notes. And today, listen, I have two thoughts for us about what is fasting and the effects of it in our life. Are you all ready today, 1045? We're ready. All right. So write this down as point number one, church. Fasting is the abstaining of some physical good, usually food, for something spiritually great. Now, family, let's go to the passage for today again and listen to what it says. It says, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, how come they don't fast? So stop right there and slip into the scene. Because we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, where Jesus had just finished calling Matthew the tax collector. And so this young man leaves everything behind and starts following the Lord. And so Jesus, we are walking with his disciples and talking with them and teaching them, and they're growing in their, in their relationship together. And so while they're walking, it's interesting, the disciples of John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, came up to come up to Jesus and say, why are your disciples not fasting? Evidently, they were not practicing fasting. But, but you need to understand what context, why they were asking this question, because the people of Israel had been fasting for thousands of years, and it usually revolved around the denial of food and drink during that period. And folks, there were certain reasons why they would fast throughout the Old Testament history of Israel. And here it is. Write this down. It's letter A. Old Testament fasting involved brokenness over sin or the need for physical deliverance. And so for thousands of years, we see that Jewish people would enter into this act of fasting. uh, And one of the reasons is when they were broken over sin. You know, a good example is that of Daniel, when he realized that his people had sinned, committed sins before the Lord. And so he went before the Lord and to express his brokenness over the current state of of, of their spiritual life. Listen to what happens in Daniel chapter 9. It says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for for mercy and what? And fasting. So I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, Lord, the great and awesome God, we have sinned. We have sinned and have done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and your rules. 
And so notice, there Daniel was fasting to show contrition, mourning, brokenness over the sin of the people of Israel. Now, the other reason why they would fast typically is when they were in need of deliverance, of physical deliverance. Uh, and a good example is that of the story of Esther. Now, if you read the book of Esther, you can recall that uh, Esther was the queen of the king, uh, the wife of the king, and uh, he didn't know that she was a Jewish person. But at that juncture, there was a man named Haman who wanted to exterminate the Jews. And so before they, they, they did that, Esther wanted to make a request to the king, and it was unlawful to go before the king. It was a big moment in the history of the nation of Israel. And so listen to what happens in Esther chapter 4. She said, go and gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, the city, and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so we know the story. They fasted. The Lord responded. She went in. The king granted. And the one who ended up dying was who? Was Haman, right? We know the whole story of of, 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 uh, of the story of, of Esther. And so for thousands of years, those are two examples where the Jewish people would fast before the Lord to show brokenness over sin, or they needed deliverance at that specific moment. However, the disciples of Jesus, though, were not fasting like everyone else. And so I'm sure that it gave the impression to everyone in that time that maybe the disciples of Jesus thought that they were sinless. Why? You, you don't mourn over sin? You don't have to fast anymore? Or maybe they thought, maybe you don't think we need deliverance from Rome. You know, they, they were the ones who oversaw, you know, who um, uh, they were under Roman captivity during that time. So maybe they thought, well, maybe you think that we don't need to be delivered from Rome. And so that was the impression that they were giving. But Jesus, though, in this passage, was about to help them understand that he was about to introduce a new kind of fasting. In fact, write this down as letter B. Christian fasting involves a longing for the return of Christ and his kingdom on earth. In fact, listen to what Jesus says next in verse 15. He said this. He says, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guest mourn as long as a bridegroom is with them, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they, what, will fast. And so notice, Christ here is referring to himself as the bridegroom, and it's not until he is taken away, until he ascends heaven, right, that then the disciples will begin to fast. And so notice, Christ here is introducing a new reason to fast, a new mentality of fasting. See, the Lord was about to go to the cross and pay for their sins on the cross. He was going to bring spiritual deliverance for them. They would be now free from the consequences of sin for all of eternity. So there's no reason to fast anymore like the Pharisees and the, and the disciples of John anymore. And so the new type of fasting it's almost a way for, for them and for us to, you know, to describe our longing for the Lord. 
are longing for him, for him to return and to establish his kingdom here on earth forever and ever. You know, in other words, fasting is a way for us to express our hunger for God, that we are forsaking our, the physical bread for the bread of life. You see, and, and so there's something in us that when you, you know, when you love the Lord, when you're really longing for him, you know, fasting is a way to say, Lord, I, I long to experience you more. I long for you to return. I long for you to establish your kingdom here on earth, make away with all of this stuff that's happening in this world, and let your kingdom stand. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, I remember... You know, when talking about longing, remember when, when Ashley and I began to date early on, and uh, you know how it is. When you first start to date, many, uh, when we started dating many years back, you know, you're in that puppy love stage. Uh, in fact, this picture right here is our first picture we ever took together as a couple, and I know what you're saying. Ashley looks exactly the same, but I have aged significantly. Yes, I get it. The hair staining, I understand. But here's what I would just say. Early on, she had a trip to St. Louis for, I think, like a conference or something. And I remember that when she left, you know, you're in that stage of puppy love. There was a longing for her to return back, right? You know, you were so in love at the beginning, and all you wanted to be is with them. And there was that longing. I remember that throughout her trip, we were texting all the time and calling each other, FaceTiming. And even in her flight, you know, she, she got the uh, Wi-Fi for the plane, even though it wasn't common then. She got the Wi-Fi for the plane just so that we can text the entire time that we were in the flight. You all remember those seasons, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, you remember those times. But you know, what I want to highlight is that while she was away, there was a longing in me, right? And there was a longing for her to come back, to, to come back to Miami. And, and folks, that's the same the mentality that we should have when we fast. That when we love the Lord, when we want to see his will be done, when we want to see his reign be established and he accomplished what he's promised, fasting is a way for us to show in a physical way our longing for the Lord. But here's the thing. Since Jesus was still with them at this very moment, there was no reason for them to fast. But once Jesus ascended into heaven, listen, then they had to transition their mentality as to fasting. Because if they didn't, if they didn't transition their mentality, then they could never really experience the beauty and the blessing of this new kind of fasting that the Lord wanted for his disciples. In fact, right after that, he gives them two analogies to help them understand why they had to transition their mentality. And listen to the two examples he gives them. The Lord said, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Why? For the patch tears away from the garment and a, wor and a worse tears made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. And so, notice family, these are just two very common examples of the day. Everyone knew back in the day that you put a, 
already a, a shrunk piece of cloth uh, uh, patch on an old garment. And with wine, you have to put new wine in new wineskins. Otherwise, fermentation will take place, and it will expand, and they will break, and the, 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 the wine will be, will be spilled, will be ruined. And so it was, it was, in, it was two analogies to help understand that there has to be something different now. And folks, in the same way, what the Lord is trying to show them and us is that unless we change our view of fasting, listen, we can never experience this new way, this new mentality of fasting. For the Old Testament people, it was very uh, specific, time-specific, and without really an end in mind with new time of fasting. Now we've met, know Christ, we've met Christ, we know who He is, we know He's returning, and fasting now has a long-term perspective. And so what Jesus is trying to tell them, listen, if you're focused on um, a, a, a sin-specific or maybe uh, a physical deliverance, listen, you're going to miss the point of the fasting in the new era of the church. And so here's what that means. That while we are away from the Lord, write this down as big number two. Fasting should be a normal part. Everyone say normal. normal. Yeah. Normal part of your Christian life. Now notice that Jesus says, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they what? will fast. They will fast. In other words, the Lord assumes that while he is away from us, that there's going to be moments in our lives where we fast, which means that fasting is not reserved for the super, super spiritual. Yeah, it's not reserved for the really godly people. Oh, they should fast, but not me. I'm a regular believer here, right? And it doesn't mean that fasting is reserved for pastors or leaders of church. No, listen, if you have put your faith in Christ, if you have experienced forgiveness of sin, if you have affection for the Lord, if you love the Lord, then there should be a longing in you for him to return and to reestablish his kingdom. Do you believe that, church family? Yeah? And so listen, fasting, and that's, it's not something crazy. It's something that's a very beautiful thing that should be a periodically part of our Christian walk. So the question that I would pose for you today is this. Are you someone who's put your faith in Christ? You say you love the Lord. Have you ever Fasting. Have you ever fasted? You know, studies show that most, if not the majority, most Christians have never done this beautiful thing called fasting. And so what's interesting is that so many people who say that they love the Lord and have a relationship with Him have never done something that the Lord assumed that we would be doing in our spiritual walk with him. And so, you know, maybe you're here right now watching online. Maybe you're one of our campuses, and you're thinking, Omar, listen, I'm, I've never fasted. I really haven't. But you know what? After learning from God's word, I think I would like to try it. I think it's something that I feel God wants me to do. Uh, but, but, but honestly, Omar, I, I just don't know, don't know even how to start. How do you do this thing called fasting? Because I, I really have no clue. Well, listen, for the rest of our time, I'm going to get really, really practical. Is that okay? 
going to get really, really practical. They give you some pointers on, on how to kind of plan because since many of us, if not most of us, have never fasted, I, I really feel we just need to cover some basic things of how we can enter into a day of fasting with the right mentality. Is that okay? Yeah? All right. So, so how do I fast? Here's my first suggestion to you, okay? First of all, write this down, letter A. Start small. Start small. You know, if you've never fasted, it doesn't mean that you need to do a week-long fast. Okay? It doesn't mean that you're, man, I'm going for a month here, you know? You know, it doesn't mean that you've got to go headlong into the deep end. I would say start small. Maybe start off with a meal. Maybe do a day that you go without eating. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, it's very, very doable. Then maybe you can try then a, a, a juice fast, which is that you, um, you know, you don't eat solid food, but you drink water and juice. Uh, that's another possibility. And, you know, whenever I do uh, specifically a, a juice fast, I don't know why, but when I'm doing a juice fast, I like to drink uh, those V8 vegetable juices. Yeah. And, and, and another regular one, I like the spicy one. There's one that says spicy on it. So I don't like vegetable juice, much less spicy. But for whatever reason, when I'm doing a juice fast, I really like that. And they sell like little tiny cans. You know which one I'm talking about? The little tiny cans. And just periodically, I'll, I'll have a, 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 little, V8, a little V8 juice. And, and, and it really just kind of gives me some sustenance. But the, the reality is, what, what my advice to you is that even if you start small, whenever you drink something or whatever, don't be drinking a gallon like, ah, oh, I got to fill myself up. Because the whole point of it is, if you drink something, it's for sustenance, not to get full, right? So my first uh, you know, suggestion to you is simply start small and then build from there. Uh, the second thing I will suggest is write this down, letter B, is to have a purpose for your fast. In fact, listen to what the Lord said now in Matthew chapter 6. We're going three chapters before that. Because the Lord talks about fasting in another passage. He says this, and when you fast, notice, again, not if you fast, but when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their what? Their reward. You know, here's what happened, was happening. The, the religious rulers of that time, whenever they would fast, they would get like all disheveled. They would get all disheveled and then they would walk on the streets like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm holy and I'm hungry. You know, they would walk around. Yeah, they would walk around and they would make this big scene. And what the Lord is saying, listen, you see that? That's their reward. People looking at them and thinking, oh, wow, look how holy they are. They got their reward. But notice what the Lord says next. He says this. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will what, church family? Reward. Reward you. So notice, as you fast and pray, know what you're seeking for. Know what, what is the reward that you're seeking from, from God. You know, for some of us, we're going through a season uh, where we know that we need more of the, of, our, of the Father's presence in our life. 
uh, of God's presence in our life. We know that in the coming kingdom, we're going to be with the Father and the Son, the Spirit for all eternity. But for, for now, you feel like you need to experience more of his presence. So maybe you ask, you pray, and you're seeking God for more of his presence. Maybe you feel cold. That's a way of seeking the Lord and, and strengthening your walk. Maybe some of us need guidance. From our Heavenly Father, we know in the coming kingdom, He's going to be with us, right, forever. And so, but for now, we just need more of His guiding about a specific issue in our lives. For some of us, we just need the protection of our Father. You know, there's, there's a threat or something's taking place. we got to seek the Lord for that. For some of us, you know, until we see the Lord face to face, we just need to be sustained during this really hard season in our life. And, and so there's many different reasons why you would fast. The key is have a purpose. Okay, I'm going to fast and I'm going to seek this from God. I'm going to ask this reward from God. And church, listen, sometimes when you hear the word reward, it almost sounds like self-serving. Oh, you know, I'm seeking the reward. But the reality is, to me, the reward that you're seeking is not self-serving. It's actually a very beautiful example of faith. You know, for example, let me give you a quick example. There's two businessmen who are, who, who are at a critical juncture in their business or their career. And, and right now, one of them is seeking advice and counsel from every other institution, Wall Street journals, all these different things, and just delving themselves into that, while the other person is praying and fasting and saying, Lord, Lord, everything that I have from you, you have given me this career, you have given me this business, Lord, this is a critical juncture. What is it that you want me to do? Lord, give me the wisdom to make the right choice at this specific juncture in my life. You see, that person who's praying and fasting, seeking God for wisdom, for guidance, is actually a very beautiful example of faith. The other person's faith is in all the secular advice and all what the financials, and the other one's saying, Lord, you give me wisdom. You show me what I need to do. Which, by the way, I know this passage talks about that if anybody else sees you fasting, you lose your reward, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that if anybody finds out you're fasting, that you're going to lose your reward. Chances are, when you fast and you're part of a family, there's going to be other people in your life that may notice or may know that you're fasting. That doesn't mean that you lose your reward. I think what the Lord's trying to do here in a very exaggerated way is making sure that when we fast, that we're not fasting with the intention that other people see me and see what I'm doing. So, in other words, don't do a fast, and as you're fasting all day, take social picture, me, uh, you know, in your Instagram, and saying, look, 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 everyone, look how holy I am. I'm not eating today. I'm fasting for the Lord, right? That's the modern day thing. So, listen. People are going to find out. Your family members will find out, will notice that. So it's not, you're not going to negate the reward, but don't go into a fast with the mentality, I'm going to let everyone know how godly I am. Does that make sense, church? Okay. So start small, have a purpose, and third, write this down, so letter C, have a plan. Have a plan. You know, fasting isn't merely uh, an act of self deprivation just for the sake of it, but it's really an act, a spiritual discipline where you're seeking more of God's fullness in your life, which means that if you are going to enter into uh, a day of fasting or whatever it is, 
Man, have a plan of what you're going to do. You know, have a plan of what you're going to read. Have an understanding, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to seek the Lord in this. I'm going to read this passage. Where am I going to spend time with the Lord? So maybe when you wake up in the morning, wake up a little earlier before everyone else and get a cup of coffee and spend time with the Lord and seek the Lord in that, in that in the morning. For lunch, if you know that somebody makes food for you, whether it's a parent or a spouse, or maybe you go out to lunch with, your, with, with work friends, know that, okay, for lunch, I'm not going to go out to eat today but rather, there's, for example, maybe a bench or a quiet place that I could go outside. I'm going to go outside, sit down, and just read and spend time with the Lord. You know, when I get home, you start thinking, okay, when I get home, I'm going to put the kids to bed, do everything I got to do. And then, after all that, then I'll spend time with the Lord, and I'll conclude the day with a, day, with a time of prayer and fasting. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying you got to put every little detail with what you're going to do, but, but have a plan. Like, no, okay, here's how my day is going to look like, Okay. And then lastly, write this down as letter D. I would say consider others. Consider others. You know, just because you're fasting doesn't mean that you need to be an unloving person. You know, loving God also goes hand in hand with loving other people. And so if anything, people should feel even more love from you during this time of fasting. And so here's what I would just say. As you plan your fast, think, okay, who is this going to affect, you know? Uh, if there's someone, you know, for example, if, if you're a student or, uh, you know, your parents make you lunch or your spouse, hey, let them know, hey, don't make me lunch today because I'm, I'm going to take a time. I'm going to fast over lunch. I, gotta, I got this to pray about uh, in my life. Or, you know, if you have a spouse who, who cooks for you and gets stuff ready for you at night, listen, don't let them spend all evening long working and, and, and really cooking a meal for you so that when the time comes, you're like, oh, I'm just not hungry, you know, uh, you know I'm not hungry. No, no, let them know, hey, sweetheart, you know, you know, you know what's going on in our lives? I got to pray. I, I want to just seek the Lord today. Uh, so I'm not going to be eating today. And they'll understand and they'll probably encourage you in it, okay? But, but just what I'm saying is, Consider who's going to be affected in your day of fasting, your, in your time of fasting, whatever, however long it is, and let them know so that they don't feel like you were insensitive to them when it came to your fast. Does that make sense, church? Yes. Okay. So let me end with this. You know, the reason that I decided to teach on the topic of fasting, even though it's a, it's a topic that is not really taught often in church, is because I personally in my life have seen the power of fasting in my life. You know, I really believe that during the hardest season in my life, or at least one of the hardest seasons, fasting was the one thing that really sustained my life, that really sustained me during a hard moment in my life. You know, the last moment was about two or three years ago, uh, and it was a time where there was a lot of things going on in my life. You know, there were different things going on. For example, there was uh, my grandmother was about to pass away. And if you've know, been here for a while, you know that my grandmother was like a mom to me. And so in my situation, you know, I felt like I, felt like I was mourning my grandmother even before she passed. You know how it is? You know, when you see someone deteriorate, uh, you know, I, I just saw her deteriorate, and I was mourning the loss of my grandmother even before she passed. So I was going through a lot of those emotions. Uh, at the same time, I remember I had a, 
we, you know, Ashley and I, we wanted to move closer down to the church, so we were still living kind of far, so we, we had a contract on a home. And I remember, you know how it is, when you're buying a home, or at least looking into it, you know, it's a big commitment, there's a lot of documentations, a lot of stress, and so there's a lot of stress that comes along with it, a lot of anxiety that comes along with buying a home. Um, and at the same time, I was transitioning or getting ready to transition into this new role of lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And, you know, I know what a big calling this is, is a heavy responsibility. And so I was asking the Lord, Lord, is this what you really want from me? Is this where you're leading me in? Lord, I want to just be in step with you. you you got to lead this process. And it's a lot of questions, you know, that as you can imagine, leading up to stepping into this role. And I think the enemy at, those, at that juncture... He saw the emotions I was going through. He saw my sadness. He saw my anxiety. He saw my fear, my concerns, my thoughts. And I think he knew, listen, if there's a moment that I'm going to bring Omar down, it's at this very moment. And church, during that moment, in a way that I can't even explain it, I began to feel so spiritually attacked by the enemy. I remember I felt like almost like, in a corner of a ring defenseless and the enemy was just having at me and he was hitting me from every corner trying to discourage me trying to and he knew like listen if i'm gonna stop omar you know bring him down not let him get into lead past it's gonna be right now this is the moment to strike so he began to surround me with all these different spiritual attacks and i said i knew i needed the lord i needed i need to draw closer i needed the i needed the lord at this moment more than ever and so I decided to go on a three-day fast. And uh, I remember I would just get into uh, one of the rooms at our house then. And uh, for three days, every time I would go in there, I would just literally just pray. I would literally just read God's word, pray, and cry. Read God's word, pray, and cry. I would just we would listen to worship music, think through things, plead to the Lord. And family, I... Something happened during those during that those three days that I felt like the Lord really just just drew me in, and, and it's almost like He put His hands over me so close, almost to protect me from the attacks of the enemy. And through that season, He sustained me, He strengthened me, and He gave me the courage to move forward. And church, I share that with you because at different times in my life, and that's an example, I have seen the power of fasting, the, the beauty of it. Listen, I cannot explain to you the emotions and the, and the, the feelings you get because you've got to try it. It's reserved for those who seek the Lord in that way. But, but, but it's, it's a way to experience the Lord in a way that you couldn't otherwise. And so listen, you don't need to be going through like the hardest moment in your life to fast. No, you can be going in any season, of any moment, you can be seeking the Lord and, 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 and experiencing that aspect of your relationship with the Lord. And so, you know, I don't think we've never done this in this context in a while as church. Maybe I, I've been here for, for many years. But here's what I want to challenge our church family to do this upcoming Wednesday. This upcoming Wednesday, I want to have a day of prayer and fasting at our church. It's a day where us individually and collectively, listen, we are going to spend a day of praying and fasting. I know it seems a little daunting. I get it. 
But I'm telling you, it's doable. You, you'll get through it. Now, if you have a physical condition or something going on in your life that you can maybe do uh, half a day or a meal or whatnot, but, but I want to challenge you. If you can, do a day. You'll get through it. It'll be fine. But you, you'll see the, 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 the blessings of it. And, you'll, and once you start doing it, you'll start feeling like, wow, like, I could do this. I could do this. And you'll start experiencing God in different ways. And listen, we have a lot of things to pray about, right? You know, there's stuff going on in Ukraine with everything going on. People are hurting. We got things in our own family, financial instability. We got uh, health issues, children, family issues. Listen, you, we all have things going on in our life. And so we have, all have something to seek, a purpose to seek the Lord in our walk. And so this Wednesday, we're going to have a day of prayer and fasting. And you can actually go to cfmiami.org slash prayer. It's a website with resources, a bunch of cool, you know, different resources for you as the day of fasting goes. In fact, if you go, you can scan that or go to the website. You can even download that right there. It's like an iPhone or a phone um, uh, wallpaper. So as you get ready, you can get, you know, you can start getting ready for the day of prayer and fasting and all. You can download that right there on that website. But I really think for us, it's going to be a, a beautiful day for really, for us to experience the Lord in a new way, amen? And so I, I'm confident that as we individually and collectively as a church, listen, the Lord is going to bless us and reward us accordingly. You believe that, church family? So let's do that this Wednesday. It's going to be awesome. Let me pray for us before we end. But Father God, we are grateful that you have given to us, Lord, this unique way of seeking you where we forsake our regular bread for the bread of life. Amen. And so, Father, I pray for all of us that you would uh, encourage us, Lord, move us to do this. I think it's going to be a very special, wonderful time. And as a result, I hope that this is like the first time where we kickstart our, the routine of fasting and praying to the rest of our Christian lives until we see you face to face, that we will practice periodically as we long to see you, Lord. And, for, and, and with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today because I know today has been a little bit uh, about a topic that's not usual, taught at church, but I think it was necessary. But maybe you're here brand new with us. Maybe you're watching for the first time. And, you know, when we talk about a longing for the Lord, you know, there's, the truth of the matter is that deep inside of you, there's no longing for God. And the reason there's no longing in you for God is because maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you know of God, maybe you've been to church in there, but there's no real longing, affection for God. And the reason is because you don't have a relationship with Him. But there's something about it today you're thinking, you know, Omar, man, I, I need the Lord. I'm tired of this life. I'm ready to take a step and start a, a relationship with God. So how do I do that? It's very simple. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved from our sins, saved from the consequences of our sins. Well, Omar, how do you call on the Lord? Well, listen, it's not about the good works you do, the, some tradition you did when you were a little baby. Uh, it's not about, you know, certain morality that you do. It's very simple. Calling on the name of the Lord is simply putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. On the perfect life that he lived for you in your place of obedience, for the death on the cross where he paid for your sins, and the resurrection where he rose from the grave to give us a future and a hope. And you know, with the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ, when you surrender your life, 
Here's what the Bible says. He forgives you of all of your sins, all those shameful things that you're ashamed of, that you're carrying in today. He forgives you. Then he adopts you as a son and daughter, and you start a personal relationship with him. This and that will not only last for the rest of your life, but for all eternity. That's the relationship that God wants with you. But there has to be a point, listen, that you surrender, put your pride aside and surrender to the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. And so if that's you, listen, with no one looking around, a few moments I'm going to lead you through a prayer if that's you. But with no one looking around, I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front or make you embarrass you, like that. But if you're saying, you know what, Omar, I really, just pray for me because I really just want to start this new relationship with God. Listen, with no one looking around with all heads bowed, if that's you at all campus, just slip up your hand and say, you know, Omar, just pray for me. And I, I really want to, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to say. I see you. I see you over there. Anybody else? I see you, sir. Anybody else? I see you back there. I see you back there, sir. Anybody else? That's Omar, just pray for me. I see you. At all campuses. Amen. Listen, you can put your hand down. I see you back there as well. Listen, if that's you, I want to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray, listen, you, you don't pray this to me. I'm only a man. You pray this to the God who loves you and who gave his son for you. Pray this with me. Father, today I realize that what I need most in my life is a relationship with you. So today I ask you for forgiveness of my sins and I put my trust in you, O oh Lord. Give me the brand new life, O oh Lord. Help me now to live a life that honors you because I'm tired of this world and all I want to do is to walk in your steps. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you, Lord, for giving a brand new life with you. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, can you give it up for all those people who raised their hand? Man, God bless you for that. And listen, on your way out, wherever you go, on your way out, there's a next step booth. Stop right there. We got a team of people that for just a few moments can put a Bible in your hand, get your info so our pastors can lead, can follow up with you. And if you're watching online, go to cfmiami.org slash connect, and there we'll follow up with you as well. Well, I'm going to call all the campus pastors to come to the front at all campuses. Listen, but I want to encourage you to be back next week. Be back next week because next week we'll be looking at if God is sovereign, if God has ordained all things to their place, if he has a plan, if he knows what's going to happen from beginning to end, why do we bother praying? Why pray if God already knows what's going to happen? We're going to find out next week as we dive into God's Word. I think it's going to be really, really encouraging. Love you all. Have a great, great weekend.